at it again. I know people say this is toxic to talk about, but election fraud is live and well in the United States. I know a lot of people don't like to believe that, particularly Democrats, and the reason why they probably don't like to believe it is because they're the ones, by and large, who are committing it. It's all over, and right now the spotlight is on the state of Arizona once again because they're attempting to steal the governor's election from Carrie Lake. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of three easy ways. You can either go to your Google Play Store or iTunes App Store and download the free Podbean app. Podbean is our hosting service. You can go there and leave comments and leave reviews. We definitely want plenty of both, and the more you give us of a positive nature, the faster the show will grow. Or you can go to either of those two locations and simply search out The Jamie Dury Show. So you can subscribe through iTunes in the iTunes native podcast aggregator app or the Google Play Store. Either way, you'll be able to leave comments and leave reviews, and the more you can give us, the better. Now, before we get to the actual issue of election fraud that I want to talk about in Arizona, I have some very positive news about the podcast. Um, It is not in vain, apparently, that I remind people at the beginning of each broadcast exactly how they can subscribe, because apparently it is catching on. Uh, I was quite surprised the other day to see that downloads beginning with November 19th have spiked markedly. Uh, Over the past 14 days, over the previous 14-day period, compared to the current 14-day period we're in, downloads of this show are up 1,038%. That means it's increased over tenfold. We've had, uh, it it started to spike uh, on the 19th of November. The last episode we did, because the holidays we were running into and other things that were putting constraints on our time, was on the 17th. We have not done an episode since the 17th. One of the reasons why I wanted to come in today, even though it's the day after Thanksgiving, and do an episode. And by the way, I hope you all had a very, very happy Thanksgiving, a healthy Thanksgiving, you and your families. It's one of my favorite holidays uh, of the year, if not, not my favorite. Uh, I think it's probably my favorite, even more than Christmas and New Year's. I love Thanksgiving. I always have. Um, I had very fond memories of Thanksgiving growing up with my family. But the episodes began to spike on the 19th. Uh, They dipped a little bit on the 20th, but they were still up over what they've normally been. They started to increase again back up on the 21st. And on Tuesday, the 22nd, they achieved a spike, an all-time high in daily downloads for the show, uh, down again to the levels they were beginning on the 19th uh, on Wednesday, about the same yesterday on Thanksgiving, and a little bit less today. So we're hoping by doing another episode today, we'll see that spike go back up. So if any of you uh, responsible for that spike have also decided to start subscribing through the iTunes App Store, uh, thank you very much. You have our gratitude. Uh, prior to to this, uh, many of the episodes, I'm going to try and get distribution for you, many of the episodes came through Podbean. A good third of the downloads were downloaded through the Podbean 
app. As of the other day, when we had that real high day, about 78%. Right now, it looks like 1.8% have been downloaded through Podbean. Another 1% are coming through Google Chrome. Another less than 1% through Safari. Um, 29.37% through other sources, like probably iHeart and Spotify and places like that. But a whopping 66.64% of the downloads that have taken place from November 1st until today came through Apple Podcasts. So we are catching on. And we can't thank you enough. We're absolutely pleased about this. And we uh, ask you for your indulgence to continue to listen, to continue to download, to continue to subscribe, and to please pass on this show to everyone that you know uh, that would be like-minded and very interested in listening to it. Thank you. So getting back to Carrie Lake. The... Candidate Carrie Lake has now filed a lawsuit against Maricopa County. She filed it on the 23rd, and it's against the county. She named Stephen Richer, the county's recorder, and other officials in Arizona Superior Court. I'm going to take some pull quotes from an article which synopsizes this uh, very well, an article written by Zachary Stiber. She's basically asking the court to compel those officials to immediately produce records on how the midterm elections were administered because there were widespread issues with this election in Maricopa County, which is the largest county in the state of Arizona. Quote, given instances of misprinted ballots, the commingling of counted and uncounted ballots, and long lines discouraging people from voting, as demonstrated in the attached declarations, these records are necessary for the plaintiff to determine the full extent of the problems identified and their impacts on the electors. Now, this is true. 20% of the machines in Maricopa County were not working. Uh, And quite frankly, I've said it before. All these problems we're having with these elections, which we never had before, we're having because of our almost fetish-like obsession with trying to get everyone in the world to vote, even those people who have no right to vote. And in so doing, we've increased the opportunity for fraud. One of the reasons why elections are supposed to be held on a particular day, and that's another thing that a friend of mine pointed out, you know, today when you go to the polls on election day, it's really not election day. It's just one of many days because you have early voting, sometimes two weeks in advance. You're just giving too many opportunities for people to vote twice, too many times for people to flood boxes, and this ballot harvesting that's going on with party workers going out to like nursing homes and getting ballots from people who may be incompetent, people who may not even be registered, people that are registered but otherwise would have no intention of voting, and they take these ballots, and in many cases they hold many of them back so that they can go to certain areas and cast them uh, so they can get elections to be won that otherwise would have been lost. And that's why when you see states saying we're going to stop counting, we have more technology now than we ever did. When did you ever see states stop counting? Oh, we need a break. Send out for coffee. Keep going. You don't stop until it's all counted. You go to work rested and you count. You count until the count is finished. And that's why, and people have a right to be suspicious about this, when you have six states 
that were considered swing states, and six states who have one candidate leading, like you did in 2020, and leading in some cases by a lot. And then all of a sudden, at the exact same time, they all decide to stop counting. And the next thing you know, troves and batches of ballots for one candidate, with only the presidential election selected in many cases, come pouring in. And all these six states flip in the other direction. And people aren't supposed to be concerned about that. I've already spoken to you how in Arizona, as a result of a Freedom of Information Act in this very county, Maricopa, we saw that 20,000 ballots came in after Election Day when none of them were supposed to be counted if they were received after 7 p.m. on Election Eve. Only 934 of those ballots were uh, disqualified for reasons having nothing to do with them being time-barred. And the margin of victory in Arizona was 10,500 votes. Don't people have a right to question the 19,500 votes that should never have been counted when it was only a 10,500-vote margin of victory? You're damn right we do. But according to exit polls, if you mention that, it turns off the um, independent voters and things like that and people that otherwise would be wedded to voting. So we're not going to talk about the 2020 election. We're going to talk about this election. And we're going to talk about reforms that are desperately needed in our electoral system. We have to go back to one day, one vote. But we will never, never tell you that absentee ballots should not be allowed. We absolutely need absentee ballots. I'll be the first person to admit that. You have military people that are uh, stationed outside the country and around the world that have a right to vote. You have people that may be on vacation or have business that they have to conduct and that won't be around on Election Day in their home state and therefore they get a mail-in ballot, but those ballots are requested. They're requested by people that are registered to vote properly, and they should be cast, and they've always been a small percentage of the total vote output. We don't give early ballots, or we shouldn't give early ballots, to people who have no difficulty going to vote. Your job has to give you off in terms in time to go to vote. They have to give you time off, uh, and you can't be denied. So why does all this matter? Well, because Republicans are more traditional uh, in the way they view the world. The liberals want to change everything. So a great percentage of Republican voters vote on Election Day. Therefore, if you can screw with the system on Election Day, you are disproportionately affecting Republican voters and less proportionately um, affecting Democrat voters, which is a big, big plus for a Democratic candidate in a state where the election is close. Now, that's the case here. And in this case, it's even worse in Arizona because Katie Hobbs, the Democratic nominee for governor, who's already declared victory even though the election has not been called, only the Associated Press and certain factions in the press have called the election for her. There's been no official projection. Um, is in the thick of it because she is the Secretary of State for the state of Arizona. She's the one whose office oversees the administration of elections in the state of Arizona. Now, as I said before, she absolutely should have recused herself. She should have been compelled to recuse herself. Because if this thing turns out that she wins, there's always going to be a stain on her victory. There'll always be that specter of corruption. Now, Maricopa County officials have acknowledged that it was widespread problems with the tabulators that stopped working 
on election day. Now, why are we having these problems and why are we having these machines? In my home state of New York, we never had paper ballots. We never had machines that the ballot had to be fed into. We simply had booths with levers. And someone had to physically go in the booth, close the lever, which closed the screen, as I've said before, flick the ballot levers that you're going to um, hit for that candidate, and then open the screen by flicking the master handle on the bottom, and that opened the screen and released all the levers so the next person could go in. Trying to phony, phony up an election or fudge up an election that way is much more difficult because after hours, people would have to go in and physically do that. It would take a lot of time. It could easily be seen by other people, but mingling in paper, putting things in different ways, in, in different boxes, double counting, these are just ways to uh, steal elections. Now, declarations have been attached to this lawsuit from poll observers that say workers mixed counted and uncounted ballots in the same container at the end of the night. Now, another solution that, uh, to the tabulator problem was a voter checking out of the site and utilizing a mail-in ballot. To try to figure out the extent of the problem, uh, the late campaign requested back on November 15th all records related to voters who checked into a site and who also submitted a ballot by mail. They sent another request on the 16th of November. None of the records have been produced yet. Now, that violates Arizona's Arizona law that states that public record requests must be fulfilled promptly. Now, she was interviewed by Stephen Bannon in his uh, show, The War Room, you know, stating that we need information from Maricopa County. We're on a timeline a very strict timeline when it comes to fighting this botched election, and they're deliberately dragging their feet so they can run out the clock. They don't want to give us the information, so now we're asking the courts to force them to give us the information. Now, at the moment, Katie Hobbs is currently ahead, uh, but the county of Maricopa is scheduled to canvas the results on the 28th of this month, that's just in a few days, with the state following on December 5th. Now, incredulously to me, the Republican Governor of Arizona, Governor Doug Ducey, has said this week that he's working to help Hobbs transition to become governor. What a turncoat he is. You see what's going on in this election, and you're helping her to transition? You don't think you say, wait, hold on until we get what's going on here? Why are we transitioning you? Now, the lawsuit that Lake filed is asking the court to compel Maricopa County to produce records prior to the canvassing. This deadline is under the circumstances presented necessary to ensure that vital public records are furnished promptly and that the apparent deficiencies can be remedied before canvassing of the 2022 general election. The county has not returned any request for comments on a different lawsuit filed this week by Abe Hamada, the Republican candidate for state attorney general, and the Republican National Committee. Its offices were closed on Thursday for Thanksgiving. Well. I expected that, but why didn't they answer the day before? And are they answering today? Now, the Attorney General, though, of Arizona is getting involved, and he's a Republican. His name is Mark Brnanovich. He requested information from a man named Thomas Liddy, who happens to be the chief of the Maricopa County uh, Attorney's Office Civil Division. He did this following the receipt of hundreds of complaints about issues related to these elections. Here's a quote from the Attorney General uh, through his assistant, Jennifer Wright. 
These complaints go beyond pure speculation, but include first-hand witness accounts that raise concerns regarding Maricopa's lawful compliance with Arizona election law. Furthermore, statements made by both Chairman Gates and Recorder Richer, along with information Maricopa County released through official modes of communication, appear to confirm potential statutory violations of Title 16. That's significant. The information indicated that the county did not uniformly administer the election as is required by state and federal law, and that the poll workers weren't trained to check out voters who left sites where the tabulators weren't working right. Now, Jennifer Wright requested the information on or before the county submits its canvas to the Secretary of State. Who's the Secretary of State? Katie Hobbs. I mean, this is that you can't make this stuff up because the issues relate to Maricopa County's ability to lawfully certify election results. Now, Bill Gates, no relation to the other guy from Microsoft, the Republican chairman of the county's board of supervisors, said in a statement that the county would not delay the canvas. This is pretty cheeky, don't you think? You've got all kinds of of allegations, eyewitness accounts, people who couldn't vote, people who were disenfranchised, people who just went home because they couldn't wait three hours in line, especially the elderly. There's a lawsuit to try and compel the truth here. And this guy says, ah, we're not going to delay anything. Quote, he says, prior to the canvas, the county will respond to a letter from the Arizona Attorney General's office requesting information about the administration of the November election. Board members received this letter on Saturday night and had a team working on a response all day Sunday, even as staff continued counting votes. We look forward to answering the AG's questions with transparency, as we have done throughout this election. Bullshit! There's been no transparency. The AG's office has not indicated that the county has provided the information, nor has the county said it handed over the information. Uh, Back in the war room interview with uh, Steve Bannon, Carrie Lake had said that the county is trying to run out the clock. Now, according to Carrie Lake, there's at least one other lawsuit in the works. It's not our main case. When our main case drops, they will hear it. Lake reiterated that whistleblowers are coming forward and that officials better think long and hard before certifying the election in light of the widespread issues that unfolded in Maricopa County. It sounds to me as though the nature of this lawsuit, the main case, which is yet to drop, is going to seek to go after people criminally who certified a false election or election that was stolen. And there seems to be a lot of evidence for that case. It was reported widely on election day itself. Unlike the 2020 election, where many of these things didn't come to light until after the election day, and so people said it was just sour grapes. We heard problems with Maricopa County for the second time in two major elections, the day of the elections. We knew about it that day. The forthcoming suit may cite findings from nearly a dozen Republican attorneys who observed the election at Maricopa County sites and attested to the tabulator failures being more widespread than county officials presented. The issues led to substantial voter suppression, said attorney Mark Sonnenklar, in a memorandum that he wrote summarizing the findings. 
since Republicans voted in larger numbers on the day of the election than Democrats. Such voter suppression would necessarily impact the vote tallies for Republican candidates much more than the vote tallies for Democratic candidates. Now, I've said that at the top of the show. This is a problem that we're constantly dealing with, constantly dealing with. And we really have to get a handle on this because if we do not, I foresee similar problems uh, in the, the 2024 presidential election. This is the second time that Arizona has had a microscope on it. And I was very, very suspicious of Arizona. I did not like the way the Fox News team called Arizona so prematurely for Joe Biden last year, long before they even called Florida. And there was a lot more mathematical probability uh, in Donald Trump's favor that there was no way Joe Biden could overcome his deficit in Florida. And yet they delayed deliberately in calling that day. Why is that? Because when you're trying to steal something, ladies and gentlemen, it's very important that when you report these election returns, that at no time do you allow the man that you don't want or the woman that you don't want to appear to ever have been in the lead. So if Florida was reported first, Trump would have held an electoral lead in the process of this election night. But by calling other states first and holding back ones that he knew he was going to win, they made it appear he was always behind. This is very carefully orchestrated, and it's coordinated among all of the major news media outlets. So don't tell me this isn't organized. You're trying to tell me they all report the same way? There's no differentiation? It's ridiculous. So we'll be watching this, and we're going to get back to you as soon as we know a little more or if we feel that we have a different view on how things are shaping up, we'll definitely inform you of that in future episodes. Before we sign off today, I wanted to speak briefly about the DOJ probe that has been launched against Donald Trump, yet another investigation against the 45th president of the United States. This is a sham. In fact, when you look up sham investigation in the dictionary, there's a picture of Merrick Garland next to it and a description of this uh, investigation into Donald Trump. All I know is Donald Trump, despite what people say about him, has to be, and I'm not one of those people, and you know that, uh, has to be one of the cleanest guys uh, in Washington and one of the cleanest guys in this country because this guy's been investigated multiple times and every person they've appointed to investigate him absolutely hates him. So you would think if there was anything there to be found, they would have found it. Yet the investigation into the Russia sham found nothing. Two impeachment investigations found nothing. And now they want to have a third investigation. And just days before this investigation was announced, days after the election on 20, in 2022, there was a DOJ announcement that the documents that were found in Mar-a-Lago contained nothing which threatened the national security of the United States. And there was nothing inappropriate about anything they found that the president had in his possession. A few days after that, the Republicans in Congress announced they were going to start investigations of Hunter Biden and President Joe Biden because of their very, very corrupt business dealings with Burisma and China and other places, how they amassed all this money through kickbacks. It's amazing how people who work for the government in public service and elected office become multimillionaires without having a job, without having a product, without having anything. How does that happen? Very simple. You're selling access, you're selling influence, pay for play. 
The Republicans know they're taking over Congress in January, and that is their intention. To blunt that, I believe Merrick Garland, uh, at the behest of the Biden administration, more likely at the behest of Barack Obama, because we know that that sputtering fool Biden isn't running anything, he's dementia-ridden, announced that they're going to do an investigation into the Mar-a-Lago documents that were found uh, when they raided Donald Trump's office with these army of uh, FBI agents. Trump is not going to cooperate with it. He has branded it a sham uh, investigation, and it is. Uh, And through his spokesperson, Liz Harrington, he stated uh, on November 23rd that he's not going to do it. On the 15th, he announced his candidacy. Now listen to this. This is a direct quote from Merrick Garland. Citing Trump's announcement for president as the reason, on November 18th, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel to investigate Trump over January 6th and the classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago. So in other words, Trump did all these bad things uh, related to January 6th, and he had all these things that he wasn't supposed to have at Mar-a-Lago. But if he didn't announce that he was running again, you'd give him a pass, say, ah, forget about it, water under the bridge. Is that how we do it? This is a sham. They're trying to damage the man, try and prevent him from running. It's not going to work. It's going to backfire on them. And if Trump continues the way he did in his announcement speech, not even talking about 2020, he can deal with that after he gets elected. If he just continues to talk about what's wrong with the country now and what he's going to do to help people who are miserable under this administration and fix the problems that plague us, he's going to sail to victory. And when he gets in there without having to be obligated by currying favor with anyone, because he's not going to be able to run again. He can do what needs to be done to right this ship and leave it in better shape when someone like Ron DeSantis runs uh, in 2028, because he's young enough to be able to do it. Now, the spokesperson for Trump said he won't cooperate because the DOJ is engaging in a partisan and political sham investigation that needs to be shut down and not given credence. She added that the investigation is nothing more than an ongoing witch hunt played out for seven years. And I think that's a very adequate uh, and accurate description. This announcement, quote, comes only three days after President Trump made his announcement for the White House in 2024. It's clearly political, and this so-called special prosecutor has so many conflicts of interest. Now, let's look at him for a moment. Jack Smith. Jack Smith is the man that's been appointed by Merrick Garland to head this probe. He's a former career Justice Department prosecutor. After his appointment, Smith stated that he would exercise independent judgment and follow only the facts of his investigation. Let me show you how independent he is. In 2015, Smith and his team prosecuted Virginia's former Republican governor, Robert McDonnell, on a series of corruption charges. The Supreme Court later unanimously threw out the conviction. And that, ladies and gentlemen, just look at the date, was before Donald Trump put three judges on the court. It was before Donald Trump was even president. Harrington further noted that then-President Barack Obama and then-Attorney General Eric Holder appointed Smith to lead a division of the DOJ that went after conservatives with the IRS. You remember that, the weaponization of the IRS scandal? Mr. Smith is also married to Katie Chavigny, the filmmaker responsible for becoming a documentary about Michelle Obama and who allegedly donated to President Joe Biden 
and that other lunatic, Rashida Tlaib campaign. These are the unbiased, clean-as-the-driven-snow people that are going to give a fair shake to Donald Trump. When asked what the Trump's legal team is planning in response to the special counsel appointment, his spokesman said they would fight it in every avenue that we can. This is clearly political. This is banana republic territory, and we have to get tough. She added that when Republicans take back the U.S. House of Representatives in 2023, they can take the funding away from the ongoing Trump investigations, and she encouraged them to take such a path. I think there's a good chance they may do that, because some of those guys are really pissed. Many of them ran away from Trump in the uh, early days of the Russia allegations. And once the hearing started and they started hearing all this evidence or lack thereof, they began realizing what a sham it was. And some of them began to feel ashamed that they didn't give him more support uh, when they should have. What they did to sabotage the transfer of power in 2016 to 2017, that was so criminal. And they did try and transfer it. And you know, one more last word again, just to remind people about this election deniers and all that stuff that they try and call Republicans. It wasn't Republicans who denied the election in 20, I'm sorry, in uh, 2000, when George W. Bush defeated Al Gore. It wasn't Republicans denying the election then. It was Democrats. Democrats. And then In 2016, when Donald Trump obliterated every Republican candidate and destroyed Hillary Clinton in the general election, it wasn't Republicans who were denying the election. It was Democrats. It was Russia that did it. And despite spending $30 million of the American people's money, they found nothing. And when Stacey Abrams lost to Governor Kemp in Georgia four years ago, it wasn't Republicans denying the election. It was the Democrats and Stacey Abrams saying it was stolen. She was walking around for four years like she was the governor in exile of the state of Arizona. Maybe now that gap tooth nut job will shut up because she got her clock cleaned real good this time. There's no question that she got blown out. But because we say it with more than ample evidence in 2020 and now ample evidence here in 2022 with the state of Arizona, We're election deniers. I think not. I think not. And Merrick Garland, just remember, elections have consequences. Had Donald Trump not gotten elected, that idiot or someone just like him would have been sitting on the Supreme Court because that is who Barack Obama wanted. Enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. For the Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury. <laughs>